What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pretty Unfiltered podcast. It's your host, Morgan Jones, and I am so excited we're spending time together today. Today is the first official episode of the podcast, and if I'm being honest, I've been kind of dreading it. Um, I know that's weird, but today we're going to be doing a deep dive into my health story and how living with a chronic illness for the past 20 years has affected my life. So I debated launching last week or not or waiting until after surgery because I have surgery next week, but ultimately my health has gotten to a point that I kind of have to bring you along. I can't hide it anymore. It just is something that is such a large part of my life that I just decided that I'm going to bring you along for the ride. For today's episode, we're going to be discussing my health challenges and more importantly, kind of the lessons that I've learned from living with a chronic and invisible illness for so long. And if you listen to the trailer, I gave you fair warning that I'm a skip the small talk kind of girl. So we're just going to dive deep. I don't really know where to start because I have intentionally kind of not talked about my health and not brought up much of my health story, whether that be on social media, in my speeches, or I don't know, even my friendships. I just don't like it to be the focus of anything. And not that it's not important. It's just that I don't want it to define me or really be a part of every aspect of my life because it is such a large part of my day-to-day life. So I feel like by not acknowledging it or not telling you this part of my story would kind of be doing a disservice to you as we get to know each other because it's a huge part of who I am and why I am the way I am. I don't really know how to sum up 20 years of living with this, but I'm going to do my best to give you the Spark Notes version and kind of give you a more in-depth reason of why creating this podcast was so important to me and kind of how it came about in general. Before we get started, I want to make it extremely clear that I'm not bringing up any of the sad or hard parts of my life for sympathy in the same way that I will never bring up the good parts to brag. I just believe that it's so important to bring up both sides of our lives in conversations and especially with this podcast or anything that I do because I want it to be clear that it's not created on false illusions of perfection or butterflies and rainbows. It's created from authentic experiences, and that includes pain and hardship and grief and loss. It's the combination of both the good and the bad that has gotten me to where I am today. It's not that my story is unique or that I have more pain than anyone else. I just truly believe in sharing the unfiltered and filtered versions of our lives uh, because I think ultimately the more unfiltered conversations we have, the more we can help each other and the less alone people may feel with whatever they're going through. I know for me that in many instances where I've been online and I've seen somebody going through something, it's ultimately helped me go through hard times of my own. So if hearing my story could help someone in any way make it a little bit easier to go through whatever they're going through, then I feel like sharing this on the podcast would be worth it. I don't really know where to start, so I'll just go back to the beginning. Bear with me. 
as this kind of jumps around all over the place, I'll do my best to tie it with a bow at the end. So let's take it back to the basics. When I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I could give you some extra fancy scientific definition of that, but basically what it comes down to is that it's an autoimmune disease. It's one of the leading causes of disability in America. It's really rare for young people to get it, though, so I guess you could say I was lucky. When most people think of arthritis, they think of osteoarthritis, which comes from the overusage of joints, but rheumatoid arthritis is actually an autoimmune disease, so it's a different condition because my body is actually attacking itself, so my cells can't tell if they're good or they're bad. So it just basically creates chaos in my body and widespread inflammation. And it can affect everything from your joints to your eyes, to your nerves, to your organs, to your blood. And most people don't realize that. And because I've had this for so long, it has spread full body and it has affected all of those things. And I think probably the most important thing to understand is that there's no cure. So the only thing that you can do is try to slow down the disease as it progresses. So that's medications, pills, infusions, injections, chemotherapy, biologic drugs, basically everything you can think of to slow down the disease as it progressive as it progresses so that it doesn't, you know, affect any more joints or organs, but really it's out of your control. So you can wake up one morning and one part of your body is affected and then you wake up another and the other part of the body is affected. It's just a balancing act. And to give you an even more clear understanding of what this disease is like, it's so painful and so debilitating that I kind of have to work 10 times harder to do things that most people don't think twice about, like doing your hair opening a water bottle, using a zipper. And those are like just the most minuscule of things. But there's so many things that take quite a lot more effort for me to do. And it just makes things really difficult for me. And that's just the hands part of it. You have to imagine my back, my ankles, my feet. And when it's all flared up, when it's all inflamed, it makes like the littlest tasks nearly impossible. And not only does this disease impact my mobility because it's progressively taking over my joints, but at some point, the damage becomes unrepairable. So you need surgeries to, ha to help maintain your mobility. And I've had over a dozen surgeries because of this disease. And like I said, I have one next week. So if you think about it, it's also not just the surgery. It would be the surgery itself, and then the recovery time like from the pain and the immobility that comes after surgery, then you have to go to physical therapy. And I want to be clear that when I say you're having surgery, it's not like you're getting surgery and then you feel 100% better in whatever area the surgery is occurring. So that's why I mentioned in the beginning that it would probably be helpful that I bring you along on this next surgery and the recovery so you can kind of get that insight on my life and what the recovery process looks like. And to be honest, 
it's pretty hard because listen, I'm a pretty independent woman and it makes it really hard to kind of feel my own age when I need people's help for so many things. Like, for example, last week when I was at the airport, you know, I had to ask a random gentleman to open my water bottle for me. And it's also frustrating because this disease is so unpredictable. So there's nothing you can really do to prevent what's going on. It's just going to spread and you don't know if you're going to wake up that morning and your hands are going to be flared and whether or not that hand or that flare is going to last a couple days, a couple months, or ultimately be one of the flares that requires surgery. So no matter what's going on, it feels not only hard that it takes so much away from you physically, but you can't control it. So you can't really control where the flare is going to happen or you know, whether or not you're going to wake up in pain or not. So when you feel like you don't really have control over what's going on with your body or your health, it, you know, it really feels like your life is in somebody else's hands or in order for me to even feel kind of safe, because this is scary, it does mean I have a team of doctors. It does mean I have to take a bunch of medicines and all of that makes me nervous. So as much as I'd love to do everything holistically, there's just some things that, you know, Eastern and Western medicine have to work together in some cases. But to have your life be dependent on these meds or in the hands of doctors, it does become really scary. And when you don't have control over your body, it inevitably impacts almost every aspect of your life. So yeah, for me, you know, this disease has taken away many things that I've loved. It's impacted my relationships. It's definitely impacted my career. It has kind of been the thing that has taken away a lot of my passions. And, you know, as we get further into this story, you'll hear that I rarely spend time thinking about these negative aspects. In fact, just having this podcast and talking about this stuff is kind of the most negative headspace I feel like I've taken in a while. And that's just so that you can understand the full picture. But these are not the parts of my disease or my life that I focus on. And those people that know me well, they know I don't really bring this stuff up because that's how much I don't want this to be focused on or the center of attention or really I, I just don't care to bring it into anything any other aspect of my life that it doesn't need to be in. And I think that no matter what hand we're dealt, we get to choose how we deal with it. And my choice has just always been to focus on the good, I guess, and focus on the lessons that this has taught me that I may not have learned otherwise. And I've worked a really long time to not let this control my mindset or my life, because if I did, I truly don't know how I would survive because it is so heavy, it is so deep, and it is so painful. But even though it feels like a full-time job in many instances, I feel that every obstacle from this disease is really just an opportunity for me to grow. So whether that's spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, it just presents me or I guess, kind of forces me to evolve. And 
ultimately, I believe that that's the whole point of being human and our human experience is to evolve and grow and challenge ourselves to become the best version of ourselves. And I want to be clear that that doesn't mean that I've always felt this way or that it's always been this easy for me to be resilient or kind of see the positive. I've had this since I was 13. I've had two decades of learning and healing and radically accepting my condition to figure out how to handle this the best way that I can and to not let it kind of filter into every aspect of my life. I try to focus on, I don't know, like the positive that this has brought me. And I think that the level of empathy that you gain from living with this type of disease or having something that's incurable or having an invisible illness where you look one way on the outside but are living a totally different reality, it really gives you a level of empathy that I don't know I would have had otherwise. Like I think I was raised to be kind and generous and empathetic, but I think that when you're actually living in this space, you just truly kind of approach the world and see the world that in a way that everybody just has their story. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. You just have more empathy for everyone and what they're going through. And I could give you a bunch of examples of how this has impacted my life in every decade (laughs) and, you know, starting in high school, but I'll give you a couple just so you can kind of get the bigger picture of everything that's going on. But obviously there is so much more to unpack, but some of the ones that stand out would be in high school I was an athlete my whole life. I was an athlete growing up. And, you know, to be honest, I was pretty good. I played five sports a year. I was captain and I had every intention of playing college ball. And I lost it all slowly because of this disease. So as the surgeries progressed, as the medications progress as the disease progressed slowly sports practices were being replaced by doctor's appointments and IV treatments and endless amounts of medication and a funny story is that I think in almost every either homecoming or prom picture I am either in a cast or a boot or crutches And I even ran for student council and I used Rosie the Riveter as my posters and I cut out neon cardboard like casts and put it on her arm because while I was running, I had just had my wrist completely fused that same year. And while that may sound like a small surgery, when your wrist is completely fused and it's your dominant hand, you can't move it at all anymore. So That took away basketball and volleyball immediately. And then soccer and the rest of them weren't far behind as the disease progressed to other areas of my body. And with multiple surgeries in high school, I became really close with my surgeon and my physical therapist. I mean, next week when I have surgery, it will be the same team that I had 18 years ago. And you know, speaking of prom pictures, the physical therapists even had my prom pictures on their desks way back in high school. So we joke about growing older together, but the reality is we, we kind of are. And 
you know, that goes back to the thing that I was saying about feeling like, you know, your life sits in these people's hands. And while I feel blessed to have an amazing healthcare team, that's not always the case. You really have to advocate for yourself. And it does become scary when you lose doctors or you have to change doctors and re-explain the whole situation to them and just hope that they will fight for you as hard as the ones that have known you since you were young. But I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't scary or difficult. And this is just one of the examples of looking one way on the outside. So in high school, being an athlete, a member of student council, I was outgoing. But then on the inside or the reality that was going on behind the scenes was that no one knew how painful it was just for me to get out of bed or make it through the day or the depression that comes with losing your identity like as an athlete and I feel like if you are an athlete or you were an athlete and you've ever lost sports due to a career-ending injury like you understand what that's like and it feels like you lose your entire sense of self so as a high schooler that was really difficult and I could break down every aspect of my life in this way in every decade you would see the same pattern of life looking one way on the outside and having this built-in filter of what reality was even after college when I started my first business and it was successful and on the outside it it was somebody's dream job but what wasn't being seen was how sick I was becoming and how the disease was progressing the more and more medications I was taking between IVs and treatments for hours as the disease progressed to my organs. And so while I had this successful business, I was doing everything that I could to, you know, kind of manage the side effects of all this medication. And the further along this disease progressed, the more and more we had to use different medications because you can use a medication for a certain period of time, but then eventually it actually stop work, stops working because your body creates antibodies to it. I'm not sure the exact science about it, but it, basically your body is used to it. So then you have to adjust it. But the wild thing about these medicine is that they take three months for to see if they work or not. And like I said about the surgeries prior, it's not that they work and then you're cured. It's like they work and they may help 30% of your pain, but you still have to wait the three months. And as the disease has progressed to my organs, you know, especially my liver, and I now have autoimmune liver disease, you have to be monitoring what these medications are doing to your organs. So it just feels like I said, you know, it feels like a full-time job. You're, it feels like a balancing act where you have to prioritize your health. And so then the things that matter to you, the things that excite you kind of have to go on the back burner and that becomes very difficult as it repeats itself year after year. And some years are much better than others, but other years kind of feel like you're doing everything you can just to stay above water. And if I continued to give you examples of kind of this filtered, unfiltered version, it would take you to my second business where I had 
a headquarters that were made of Pinterest dreams, like 2000 square foot industrial space. Like it was so beautiful. But at that same time, that was when my disease was really spreading full body. That's when the liver disease came. That's when I was dealing with multiple deaths between loved ones and family members. And my mental health really took a hit. And maybe one day we'll do an episode on grief and I'll get into the details of what it's like to lose loved ones or multiple people in your life, especially in a short period of time. But for this episode, you know, I want to keep it kind of focused on my health. But at that time, when you're dealing with all the stuff that comes with your own health and then just the normal things of life, whether that be grief or loss or just growing up and the growing pains that come, ultimately this led to probably the darkest time in my life and where my mental health was the worst it has ever been. And I didn't know, you know, whether or not I was going to make it. I didn't quite frankly know if I wanted to. And it's not that I didn't want to be alive. It's that I think sometimes we get to this place where we just can't continue living in so much pain or carrying the weight of whatever it is that's on our shoulders. And this is why mental health and conversations about these unfiltered parts of our lives are so important to me because I think that the more we can talk about them, the more we can feel less alone. And I know that I probably sound like a broken record, but at this point, I don't care because I deeply believe that we have to be having these types of conversations so that we can all work towards healing whatever we need to heal so that we can work towards finding the communities or the help that we need in order to get us through these hard times and not feel we're alone in whatever it is we're going through. I can see how this disease and these challenges have kind of forced me on a path that has led me to be so passionate about mental health and wellness and these types of conversations. And I can look at every aspect of my life and be grateful for it because I know that it has kind of forced me onto the path that I am now. And I have the privilege of getting to speak and help young women. And we'll get into my career later in another episode. But without my health challenges, I wouldn't probably be living the life that I'm living or feeling so fulfilled in what I'm doing because I do feel like I'm living out my dream. And I do want to help people. And I see how because of my health, and the challenges that have come from it, it just pushes me even further. It pushes my drive to try and make the most impact or positive impact or difference that I can, which is why I keep saying I don't want my health to be my story. I don't want that to be what I'm known for. I want to have helped people feel like there's some place to go, you know, on the internet where you can feel good about yourself, that there's people going through what you're going through. And I want to be known for that. I want to be known for helping people. And if we go back to the filtered unfiltered stories that are more current, five years ago, when I got off social media to do a one-year experiment for a book that I'd been given the opportunity to write, what started as a one-year experiment turned into something significantly longer because I was forced into survival mode again. And to be honest, the past few years of my life with my physical health have probably been the most difficult 
in the entire 20 years that I've been dealing with this because I am trying to find a new medicine. I was having really good luck with one for about eight years, but in 2020, when that one stopped working, we've been trying diligently to find a new medicine and the past two have failed and I'm on a new one now and I'm two months in. So let's cross our fingers that month three pulls through. But during this time from 2020 on, I think I had had four surgeries in less than a year and a half and then a post-surgical infection that nearly took my life. And it was during the pandemic. So I had to do a lot of it alone. And when you are not only the disease is not controlled because you're not on medications that are helping, but when you're getting the surgeries and you become immobile and then you're kind of bedridden for a long period of time, it starts to impact other parts of your body. So I developed very severe back and neck flare-ups for almost two years that made it so that I couldn't walk more than 10 steps without having to sit down. So it basically became debilitating, even though that wasn't the initial cause of the issues. So you can see how this kind of just stacks on top of each other. And like I said before, it becomes a balancing act. And while I was so excited to write that book, and I did, and I finished it, and it just became in the final editing stages, and it will be coming out later this year, I literally had my arms in some sort of cast or brace for two years time. So I couldn't even use my phone to text or even lift a pillow, let alone write an entire book or go through the editing process with another surgery coming up. The reality is that this podcast came as a product of the fact that I couldn't wait another year to come back to social media as I couldn't put my life and everything on hold another year. So, you know, after talking to some friends and my mom, you know, they were kind of like, why don't you swap it? Why don't you put the podcast out first and then have the book come later in the year? Because I was so devastated that due to hand surgeries and arm surgeries, I was unable to finish the final editing process of the book. And next week, I'm about to have a really intense hand surgery where we are basically doing four surgeries in one to kind of get it all done. I knew it was pushing back the final launch date for my book further and further away. So it kind of forced me to revise and improvise, which this disease loves to do in general. But it's also the reason why the podcast is coming out now instead of later this year. And I want to make it really clear that just because I am resilient and I do think that this has taught me how to bounce back or get back up every time you fall, whatever kind of cliche quote you want to use, while I do believe that's true, it doesn't mean that it's easy to keep losing the things that you're so excited about doing. Like I was so excited about the book the same way that I had been about sports. And I'm pretty sure that was the first thing that has ever made me feel like sports made me feel in such a long time. So, you know, I choose to trust the timing that everything unfolds for me. But at the same time, I want to be honest and say that just because, you know, I can be resilient doesn't mean that it always feels good in the moment. I've just kind of learned to trust the timing, you know, in the long run. But it does sometimes take everything 
within you to just keep going. And before we get into the lessons that I learned and to kind of close out the podcast for the things I'm grateful for this disease, I think that there's one more important thing that I want to talk about that feels incredibly important because aside from the disease itself, the physical disease, I think that this is probably the number one thing that has impacted who I am, my confidence, and more so my physical appearance. And we briefly talked about the medications before, but I want to talk about one in particular, which I know a couple of celebrities are on right now that people are talking about and people have sent me videos of them talking about it because it does change their body so much. And no, I'm not talking about the weight loss one. I'm talking about something that does the opposite, which is the use of steroids. And steroids are not the ones that the guys or girls are using in the gym to get jacked. I'm talking about the steroids that you use to help inflammation and that cancer patients use. And if you know anybody that's been on steroids or you've used them yourself, you know that these medications work. They work really well. But at the end of the day, they have such strong side effects that it almost becomes unbearable. They change your mental state. They cause you to gain weight. And let me be very clear. I was on, I've been on these medications, I think about seven total rounds in my life. And like I said, they really work well. But at the end of the day, in I would say 30 to 40 days time, I have gained over 20 pounds of weight. And I want to be clear, that's not the weight that you gain. And then all of a sudden you can just eat some, you know, chicken and broccoli and then you get it off. It's different type of weight. It's visceral weight. It's hormonal weight. It's on your body differently. You get what's called a moon face. You get kind of what's like a tire belly. And like I said, a couple of celebrities are on this to basically help save their lives. And they are getting slammed by the comments. And when people send me these videos, it breaks my heart because it just goes to show that, you know, there is a lack of empathy there for what people are going through. And first and foremost, we should not be commenting on anybody's weight in general. But the even deeper story is that the people that are commenting on people's weight while they're going through such tragic and hard complications with their health, it's just inexcusable. And I just finished a round of these medications myself. So I am about 20 pounds heavier than I was at the start of the, oh, not the start of this year, but the start of last year. And, you know, if sharing my story or my side of this could help anybody have more perspective of other people that are going through this, then, like I said, it would be worth sharing. But weight gain is only one of the side effects of these medications. There's acne, there's hair loss. I'll try to put some pictures on my social media so that you guys get the full, like, picture behind this. But it also affects your mental state really severely. Not only because the medication itself is actually changing the chemical composition of your brain and impacting different hormones and your hunger cues and all of that, but also it affects your mental state, your self-esteem, and your confidence because all of these side effects that you're having from this medication are literally everything that society tells you is not beautiful, not sexy, not attractive. So 
there's no way that these changes can just be happening without it having a mental and a physical aspect to it. And I want to make it clear that this is not a discussion about my size or my weight or anybody's sizes or their weight. It's not about what they look like in their physical appearance. It's about that when you take these medications and your body changes so drastically, you feel like a stranger in your body. It's like I'm living in a body that doesn't even feel my own. And the disease itself already makes me feel that way. But when you have side effects of a medication that helps, literally it helps so much, but it's ultimately putting you in a body that it it feels like a stranger. And I think the craziest part about this is that most people who are taking these medications are taking them for an invisible illness. So, you know, as we've said before, it's like you look one way on the outside, but you're living a completely different reality than, than what's actually appearing. And I'd be lying if I said that there weren't parts of me that wanted to wait until I lost the weight or I cleared up all my acne or I could find a way to cover my little bald spots from my hair loss before I came back to social media. But I want to be the person that you see walks the walk and walks their talk and talks their talk, however you want to say it, because I don't want to just say things but not live by them. In fact, like I value integrity more than anything else. So I am coming back. I am going to come back in a different size than I left social media. I will be on a journey to get back to a size that feels like me again. Once again, it's not about the weight. It's about feeling like yourself in your body, feeling healthy and feeling happy in the body that you're living in. And, you know, it took me a long time to get to a place where I just don't care what other people think about my size or my acne or my weight. And I still struggle with it from time to time, but I really have to say that I've done a lot of work and I've just gotten to a place where if someone's going to judge me for those things, first, those are not the type of people I want in my life or the type of people I care to be validated by or care about their opinions. But secondly, if you're going to judge somebody for the side effects of a medicine that's saving their life, like that's on you. I don't get to choose whether or not I'm on these medications, but you get to choose how you treat people. And I feel that because of all the changes that happened physically or externally due to some of these medicines, it really did force me in a way to deeply find that beauty and love and confidence from within myself. And by no means is it easy and it's not, I'm not always perfect. And obviously I have moments and times of insecurity, but at the end of the day, it really grounds me because it just reminds me that who I am on the inside is actually what's the most important thing about me. If I look back and kind of think about all the times that I've been on this specific medication, and like I said, I just finished, I think my seventh round. So you're talking a body that feels like me and then shifting to a body that is anywhere between 20 to 40 pounds heavier. Of course, that's going to affect your mental state. But I ultimately think that it's kind of a blessing and I feel grateful that I've been through that because it has really given me a perspective shift on what matters and what doesn't. 
I mean, I believe that living with an invisible illness in general is what gives you this gift, this perspective. While on one end, the different decades of my life and career and relationships, while, you know, it would look like I have my stuff together, it's like, ultimately, I was just a girl trying to survive. And I think that that's how we all are. I think we all have the heavy and unfiltered parts of our lives. And I think that it's okay if we talk about those because anybody that knows me well knows that I'm always laughing and I don't take life too seriously. And this is probably the most they've ever heard me talk about my health. In fact, I feel like many people might even be learning stuff about my health that I've never shared with them before. But I think that that's why it's so important to have these conversations because I don't focus on these times. I focus on, like, I'm a stop and smell the roses kind of girl. I'm a give compliments to strangers and, you know, watch the sunsets kind of girl. This stuff that we're talking about is only one side of the story, but I feel it's important sides of our stories. It's important for us to have these conversations to help other people and collectively help our mental health overall. So whether it's, you know, podcasts or social media or TV, like I love people's stories. I love hearing why people are the way they are or what they've been through or what they've overcome, what makes them feel happy and joy or what they're passionate about or what their goals are. And I think that it's because they've shared all of those aspects of their lives that I've looked at them and I felt I could push one day further in my life as well or try for the goal I wanted to achieve. So I think that sharing our stories has a beautiful ripple effect in helping lift each other up. So to close out the podcast, you know, I sat and I thought about what are kind of the top three lessons that I've learned from this disease or what are the three things I'm most grateful for and while I kind of am living on a different timeline than most people my age and, you know, my life looks a little different than most people, I can see why everything has worked out the way it did and that the challenges have just made me stronger. So if I had to start with a list, number one would probably be that I'm just so grateful to be alive. This disease has given me a level of gratitude that I truly believe most people spend their entire lives searching for because when you kind of have to fight so hard to move or exist, then living just feels like a blessing. It feels like such a gift. Like when you live with so much pain and you have this constant reminder basically of your own mortality, it just gives you a perspective shift. And I think that most people wait for something unfortunate to happen to them or their loved ones to have this kind of awakening because they don't really want to think about their own mortality until they have to. But the reality is, I also think that most people don't really think about living until they have to either. So I kind of feel like I got lucky in that way because this disease serves as a reminder that life is short and... I feel like it instilled a mindset in me since I was young that time is limited and I love living so much that I try to appreciate the small things and the little things and have immense gratitude. And like I said before, if you know me, you know this about me. I I love all the little things and 
so many of the little things bring me so much joy that I'm not sure that I would have otherwise, I guess. And the second lesson would probably be that of time, like the value of time, that life is too short. And I just have an immense appreciation for how valuable each and every moment is with my loved ones, with what I'm doing, with my energy. It almost creates this like system of checks and balances, I like to say, that kind of shifts me back into reality of what matters and what doesn't. And, you know, it gives me that perspective shift again, like that just keeps me focused on the things that are important in life. It's like a blueprint or a roadmap of what matters and what doesn't. And in a world where we're kind of forced to care about some things that are not necessarily important, but we are told to kind of prioritize them, I just kind of feel like this grounds me and it roots me in what I know to be true as the most important things in my life. I think that valuing time is something also that people spend their entire lives trying to chase and understand. And because of my health challenges, I think that I've understood this from a really young age because I didn't really have have a choice of whether or not I was going to appreciate my time. I guess I could have chose the opposite, but I have really amazing parents. So I just chose to always view my time as something so valuable and so precious. And that ultimately is what leads me to the third one, which would be that, you know, people always ask me like, how do you remain so positive when you're going through this or when you're dealing with so much pain? And, you know, the more I've thought about that question as I get older, I don't know if it's positivity. I know I'm hopeful and I hope that there's a cure in my lifetime and I hope that there's a medicine that can help me more effectively or that I have to have less surgeries. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a matter of becoming resilient and kind of not by choice, like a forced resilience, because if I don't continue to stand back up, like I won't survive. So when you're forced to become resilient at such a young age, I think you can get like you can get back up quicker and quicker each time. And in many ways, through that type of level of resistance, I think it instills a confidence in yourself that you know, you can handle anything that comes your way. And I really do believe that about myself. I think that no matter what storms, no matter what challenges or obstacles that life throws my way, that I'll be able to overcome them. And that once again, it doesn't mean that's going to be easy. I just think that, you know, it's far more about resilience and confidence than it is about probably being positive. Because I firmly believe that no storm lasts forever, but I also believe that you have to make a choice to keep going no matter what. And it's because of the storms in my life that I've kind of been forced to spend more alone time than most people, or I don't know, I, I have had to become like familiar with the darkest parts of who I am, whether that's my depression, anxiety, or even physical pain. And you really get to a place where you question yourself, like, who are you? when these things are happening? What's going on in your mind? How can you overcome them? What are different habits and things you can do to get back up quicker each time? Or how can you manage your healing in a better way? And because of this, I think I learned how to increase my comfortability inside of the challenges and the hardships and the darkness. 
And I think when you're able to get more comfortable in the darkness, it actually kind of, it just makes your life significantly lighter. I think that that's probably why my most favorite compliment to receive from anyone is like that you're just such a light because I don't know. I tend to believe that sometimes the people that bring the most light into the world and the most light into people's lives are the ones who have lived or are living with darkness. And I believe that there's just a level of unparalleled freedom that comes from having this deep understanding of, I don't know, the duality between the dark and the light in our lives from understanding that tomorrow isn't promised or I don't know, I guess you just live differently than everybody else if you truly understand in your heart and you live with more intention. And then when you live with this, with more intention, you live in more alignment. And that's, I think, ultimately what can make the hard times become beautiful. And if this whole episode serves as nothing else to you, I hope it could just be a reminder that you can keep going no matter what you're going through. And There is a story behind every person and the reason they are the way they are. And at the core of everyone, there are these unfiltered stories. No matter what you see online, no matter how filtered they look, I believe it's actually these unfiltered stories that are the foundation of who people are. So the more we can have these discussions and these unfiltered conversations the more authentic our relationships, our friendships, and ultimately the world could be and the community and the digital space. I just believe that this is the catalyst to having more deep and meaningful interactions as humanity. I don't know, like maybe some of this sounds a little too woo-woo for some people, but that's fine because I think that living more than half your life with a painful and incurable illness kind of gives you a pretty unique perspective on what's important and what matters and what doesn't. And I can honestly say that I know what it's like to fight for your life. And I know what it's like to fight for a body that feels like you again. And what it's like to be crushed by societal standards or companies and and billion dollar industries that benefit from our insecurities and low self-esteem. And those companies and those industries are what force us to be at war with our bodies, both mentally and physically, since we were young. And that's why these conversations are so important to me. Because I know that far too many of you can probably relate to this because I think that that's probably why you clicked on this podcast or why you follow me. And if I could help one person feel more confident or more strong or more resilient or more grateful for their life, or I guess, you know, most importantly, if you could just feel a little less alone in whatever you're going through, then I feel that this whole podcast and kind of putting myself out there will be worth it. We made it to the end of the podcast. I really hope that this episode has given you some light or some insight on my life and who I am. And if you've stuck around to this point, I hope we will continue this journey together and just know that I really, 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 really mean it when I say that I appreciate you being here more than you know. This is my lifelong passion and we're just kind of going to be in this together. I'm going to learn as we go along and I hope that you'll stick around and I hope we can continue this journey 
together or continue these conversations over on Instagram or wherever you want to hang out together. I just am grateful you're here and I'm so excited for the guests and experts we have coming on when I get back from surgery. And I hope that no matter what you're going through, that you keep going no matter what. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Until next time, be kind to yourself and others. Love you. Bye.